chapter 2 and in verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves for two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword which will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. May the Lord bless the reading. Of his word. Joseph and Mary are fulfilling two different Old Testament customs. The first is a presentation of the firstborn. When the Israelites were leaving Egypt and the final of the ten plagues was the death of the firstborn, those who had the lamb's blood over the door, the angel of the death passed over. Passover and the children lived. And so in and in remembrance of that, so that they would remember it, so the people of God would remember it, God established his law that the firstborn would be holy unto the Lord. So Joseph and Mary are bringing their firstborn unto the Lord in keeping with the law of Moses. And surely there was added significance that they were not only bringing their son but God's son and a way to say that this son is this child is holy and is truly the father's son and this one belongs to God so there was a poignancy about that but the other custom is the rite of purification after childbirth and there are instructions in the law for what the woman is to do after she gave birth and what she is to do with the child, and in Leviticus it tells us that if she cannot afford a lamb, then she takes two turtle doves or two pigeons for a burnt offering. So in Luke 2, we see that Mary and Joseph came with a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. So they weren't wealthy, they didn't have a lamb, livestock to bring, but in keeping with the law, in keeping with the law of Moses, they brought two birds as an offering for purification for Mary after the birth of Jesus. But why does Luke mention the Old Testament law? Well, he's writing, if you remember, to most excellent Theophilus. 
who most likely was a Roman official of high standing, who would have found these Jewish practices quite strange. So Luke is trying to connect the dots, if you like, for his Gentile audience. But I think much more importantly, Luke wants us to see that Joseph and Mary are law-abiding Jews. And we see that Jesus is going to bring division. But the division that Jesus brings was not meant to blow apart Judaism or overthrow the nation of Israel. The division that Jesus causes is due to the hardness of human hearts. And what Luke wants us to see, that Jesus, and beginning with his family, are fulfilling the law of Moses, and that Jesus in his death and in his life will fulfill all the requirements of the law of Moses, but not only in his life, but here, his parents. So if we're looking to Jesus for freedom to create our own religious rules, or simply to be unhitched from the Old Testament, then we need to find another hero for Christmas. There are two words here which you see all the time, law and spirit. If you look at law, verse 22, when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Verse 24, to offer sacrifice according to what is written in the law of the Lord. Verse 27, to do for him according to the custom of the law. And verse 39, after what we read, when they had performed everything according to the law. So five times in this passage of Simeon and then Anna, Luke mentions the law. And then three times he mentions the spirit. 25, Simeon, this man was righteous and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Verse 27, he came in the Spirit into the temple. By the end of verse 40 in chapter 2, Luke has mentioned Spirit ten times in his Gospel, and at eight times he's talked about following the law. There's the emphasis from Luke that Spirit people are law people, and law people are Spirit people. That the righteous ones from Elizabeth and Zechariah to Joseph and Mary to ultimately Jesus are law keepers and are led by the Spirit. The heroes in Luke are law people and spirit people. And these are two things that people often pit against each other. To be spirit led is to be what? What we would so often say is to be spontaneous, is not to be constrained by rules and dogma. And if you are a law-abiding person, you might be good, but you're very rigid, and you're very nervous about the Spirit. But the heroes in Luke put together these things. They're carefully obeying the law, and they're being led by the Holy Spirit. So law and spirit is a combination of these opening chapters of Luke. So Luke wants us to, to see that Joseph and Mary are fulfilling all righteousness. They are law keepers, just as Jesus will in custom with the law of Moses. So we, we've met Simeon today, 
And we've looked at four songs. This is the fourth of the four songs in Luke that we've been looking at. And I want to look at this song very quickly. And then just a little a few minutes on his sign. So let's have a quick look at his song. And his song bears so much resemblance to the themes that we've seen with Mary, the Magnificat, and Zechariah's song, uh, which we looked at, uh, which Tom preached on. And we see that Simeon was godly. He was ready to die, but not before he saw the Lord's Christ. So he sees Jesus, he takes him up in his arms, and he praises God. He says, Nunc dimittis, this is what the song is called, Nunc dimittis, it means now dismiss. Now, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for mine eyes have seen your salvation. Every good thing that God had planned for his people, every righteous purpose that God had for the world was there in this child in Simeon's arms. Isn't that wonderful? Every good thing, every purpose for the world was there in Simeon's arms. What an experience it must have been for Simeon. And even though he may not have realised everything that would come true in this child he was holding, he knew enough that this was the one he had been waiting for. This was the child after all those years. No one had waited as long as Simeon. And Israel had waited for the birth of the Messiah. That long-awaited deliverer. The serpent crusher. The one who would crush the head of the serpent. The one who would set them free. Not just from Egypt or from Babylon or from Rome, but from their sin. That was what they really needed to be set free from. And in this Jewish baby boy was the hopes and dreams, not only of Israel, but of the whole world. I find it amazing that you could take the salvation of all people and hold it in your hand. That's what Simeon did. The glory that Simeon held in his hands was not just for him, not just for Israel, but it was, he confesses it was a light of revelation to the Gentiles, glory to Israel, and praise the Lord, it is salvation that is offered full and free in 2020 in Keswick, in Cumbria. Is, Isaiah said, is it too small a thing that God should raise up a chosen one to just redeem the lost tribes of Israel? That was too small for God. Israel was his chosen people, his treasured possession, precious in his eyes. But it was far too small a thing that God would send the Messiah only to deliver the Jews. God wanted to save people like you and me. I want you to hear that this morning. That God sent Jesus to save people like you and me. He wanted his salvation to reach the nations. So Simeon sings a song of glory. Salvation has come to those on whom his favour rests. So that's Simeon's song. How about Simeon's sign? And after blessing this child and blessing his parents, 
Simeon turned to Mary with a very solemn word of warning. And Simeon is a prophet of sorts. The Holy Spirit had revealed things to him. And as a prophet sent by God, he knows that this little child, as precious as he is, the long-awaited deliverer, he will bring great joy, but he will also bring great upheaval. Mary and Joseph will know great blessing, and they will know great heartache. That is true, I was thinking about this when I was writing it, that is true for every parent, isn't it? Untold joy and unbelievable heartache. Now up until this point in Luke's Gospel, things have been very upbeat. And of course this is joyful as well. There is no room at the inn. And Zechariah couldn't talk for the best part of a year. But Elizabeth probably didn't mind too much either. And for two chapters, babies have been conceived miraculously and been born. And then there is the forerunner. And then there is the Messiah. Songs have been sung. Angels are praising. Shepherds are rejoicing. The Holy Spirit seems to be everywhere. And now, this note of joy takes a solemn turn. In verse 35, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, which is most likely a reference to the cross. And there is nothing as painful as burying a child. And what could be more exquisitely painful than to see your son, the righteous one, the holy one, nailed to a cross for crimes he did not commit, for sins that were the furthest thing from him. Look at what Simeon says. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Look at each of those phrases. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. And one of the great themes in Luke's Gospel is this great reversal that is announced and is coming. Those on the top will wind up on the bottom. Those on the bottom will be on top. And not because Jesus' mission is to condemn people. No, rather in their unbelief and rebellion in the face of Jesus, people condemn themselves. And we see it all over the Gospels. The last end up first. The first end up last. Remember Lazarus? He was poor in this life. He's rich in the next. He rests in Abraham's bosom. The rich man who's wealthy and oppressive. He seems to be very successful in this life. Is tormented in the next. What did the tax collector say? Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. What did the Pharisee pray? I thank you, Lord, that I am not like other men. The fall and rise of many in Israel. Jesus will expose the human heart. You can fall everybody. You can even fall yourself. But Jesus will expose the human heart. And ultimately, I think it is true. Yes, it is Christmas Day, but this is the most important question 
you can ever answer, what are you going to do with Jesus? Because ultimately you can only have one of two responses. There isn't a third way. Either deep down in your heart this morning, you come before God. And you dare not look at him in his holiness. And you beat your chest and you say like that tax collector, Lord have mercy on me, the sinner. I pray that that, 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 that that is your response to Jesus. Lord have mercy on me, the sinner. Or the other response is, God I thank you that I'm better than other people. I thank you that I'm better than people who don't know their Bible. I thank you that I live the right way and other people don't. I thank you that other people made the best of, my fam of their families and I didn't. I thank you that, other, that I'm not like other people whose children are not walking with the Lord. Simeon says, this child, this child, will be a sign that is spoken against. A sign that is opposed. They wanted to know what would the Messiah look like. When will these things happen? Are you the one to come, or should we look for another? And know today, you have many people who are looking for the perfect vaccine. You have many people who are looking for the perfect trading. But you don't find many people looking for the sign of the Messiah to come. But people are sure looking for something, aren't they? They're looking for a way out of the mess. People want to know where can we find healing? Where can we find deliverance? Where can we find redemption? Well, some of us ask in the spiritual realm, is this the job that I should be in? Is this where I should be? How can I be happy? And here is the sign. And after centuries of waiting, Simeon said, here is the sign that God's promises are true. Do you trust God's promises? This is the sign that God is doing everything he told us he will do. He is coming again. He said he would, he will. And the sign is a little baby. And people throughout the Gospels have different reactions to that sign. And today, people have different reactions to the sign. Some say, like Simeon, mine eyes have seen your salvation. And others speak against the sign. That's what Simeon predicts. Many will oppose this. You would think, well, who's going to oppose a little baby? But Jesus grows up and he teaches and he preaches and he performs signs and wonders and he rebukes and he has hard things to say and he calls people constantly to repent and faith. And many people say, this isn't the Jesus that I want. I want the Jesus to tell me that I'm okay. This is not the Jesus we were looking for. This isn't, this isn't the Messiah we wanted. They wanted a Messiah who would ride a horse to victory. And Simeon wanted Mary and Joseph to be prepared. And I want us all to learn from this, to be prepared. Jesus didn't live for the world's approval. He didn't live for social media's likes. He lived for his Father's approval. I pray that we would live for the Father's approval. Jesus didn't expect the crowds to give him a claim. 
And Simeon said from the beginning, some will speak against the sign. And we see the same two truths today. Some people love Jesus and others speak against him. Maybe you don't like the idea that Jesus was divisive. Didn't he come to be a God of peace? Isn't that what we're all about? Yes, it is. Peace with God. That's true, but remember what the angels sang. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. The peace is only for those who follow Jesus. The peace in the Bible is always found in connection with the God of the Bible. Christmas is not some magic messiah dust that God sprinkles on the world so everyone can listen to Maria Carey just for a month. And I don't think that's very heavenly either. But he came to bring peace to those on whom his favour rests. Those who get it. Those who have ears. Those who have eyes. But it will not be everyone. If father will be against son, daughter against mother, on account of Jesus. And that's the hard reality that many know only too well at Christmas. That Jesus sometimes makes things worse. Not because he is a family strife, but because he demands allegiance. And when the gospel is preached, with all its glory but boldness, it will upset things. Jesus is the precious cornerstone, and he is the stone the builders have rejected. Which brings us to the last phrase that Simeon gives us, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. He sends the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment. And his death on the cross shows us the true nature of our sin and rebellion. When Jesus died, we see we were not some precious diamond in the rough, but we were rebels away from God. If you would view its nature rightly, its guilt to estimate, look at the cross. It reveals not so much what we were worth, but what we cost. So he reveals our hearts by the Spirit. He reveals our hearts by the cross. And he reveals our hearts by showing us who God is, and therefore our real heart towards God. Jesus reveals our affections toward God. Now this was most powerfully felt when he walked on earth. We just read that he took on human flesh. And all the talk about God this and angels this and spiritual realms, here he is. God in the flesh. What do you do with him? Well perhaps it was most powerfully felt when he was there physically. But we have eyewitness account. And by the Spirit of God he has made known to us so we have the same choice to make, what will you do with this God? In Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, the baby that Simeon held in his arms. If Jesus is not the one you follow, the one that you love more than life itself, the one who is the only hope in life and death, that's Jesus. You see, legalists do not like Jesus dying with sinners and forgiving tax collectors. Because in their hearts, they don't want God to be gracious. And libertines, that is the ethically immoral, they don't like Jesus talking about sin and hell and condemnation. Because in their hearts, they don't want God to be a righteous God. He is the revealer of hearts. Because what you 
you see in Jesus is what you have with God. And so there constantly is a struggle. We often, we, we want to say, if only we could redefine, reevaluate this Jesus, then we can have a God that suits us, a God that we like, a God that doesn't upset us. But Jesus doesn't allow that. We must see Jesus in his glory, because if you see Jesus, we see God. That is just the way it is. And make no mistake, when we take issue with Jesus, we take issue with God. When we ignore Jesus, we ignore God. And when we see Jesus in all his compassion, forgiveness, righteousness, holiness, justice, truth, and grace, let me ask you, what does your heart feel? Jesus reveals what we really think, what we really believe, what we really feel and what we really do with God. So does your heart speak out against this sign really? This is not the God I want. This is not the Jesus I serve. This is not what I am about. Or does your heart today explode in song? And on that great day, when he returns, not as a little babe in a manger, but as the great and glorious king, Will you rise or will you fall? I pray that you would know Jesus as he came the first time. So you will know him as King and Lord when he comes the second. We're still waiting, brothers and sisters, but Jesus has come. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless the word for his glory. Amen. We're just going to sing a final Christmas song and then our service is ended and please make your way as quickly as you can. We wanted to thank you for being with us. Wish you a very happy Christmas. We are meeting again next Lord's Day morning at 10.30 and 